It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. In your 20s, what is the most important financial advice that you need to hear to set you up for future financial success? We're going to be wrapping up our series on the best financial advice by decade. That and more on this episode. Hope you're having a good morning. You know, some days you, uh, you, you go to leave the house, you open up that door, head out to the garage, and you just walk right over to your car. Other times, you walk right through a spider web. And you feel like you've got web on you for the rest of the day. That's what I've got going on. So I feel I still feel it on my shoulder, on, on my neck. So hope you're doing better than that. If you have any questions for the program, we'd love to hear from you. Got a question about I bonds recently. I'm assuming you've had that question before. We're either gonna hit that today or just devote an entire episode to it because they're so, they should be so simple. And yet they're not. They're some of the most complicated instruments out there, treasury bonds. So, uh, But if you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. Or you can reach us wherever you are on social media. That's where we are as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Engage with us that way. And take a different angle before just diving into the 20s, okay? The most common phrase heard at the KFG offices is I wish I'd started sooner. Mm-hmm. I wish I got started sooner. And I guess let's just pause. Why, number one, why, why, why is that so often said from new clients? And then second, guys, specifically, what, what is meant by I wish I'd started sooner? Like specifically, what do people wish they'd started sooner on? Mm-hmm. Started sooner with what? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would observe, I agree with you, by the way, that most common phrase that we, or, or comment that we get from people who are just getting started with a financial advisor is, yeah, I wish I had gotten started sooner. And it doesn't matter what age that is, right? Someone yeah. in their 50s could say that. Someone in their 40s or 30s could 30s. say that. Even, I've heard it from people still in their 20s. Mm. I wish I had gotten started sooner. And I, I don't know, there's, there's something um, kind of natural about often looking backwards and saying, well, what if I had taken this path instead of that path, that kind of thing. And it's usually taking inventory of where am I today and do I like where I'm at? Do I have something to show for the years that have, have already passed? And that's probably what I hear most from, from people who are in their late 20s or 30s is, man, I, I wish I had more to show for my 20s. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, today is a show, not a warning, it's an encouragement to people who are in their 20s. What could you be doing now so that maybe you don't have some of those regrets or, or um, kind of wishing that maybe you had taken a little bit different path? But to, to answer your question about, well, what are they most regretful for? It's, it's not getting started on their planning. Mm. It's having goals and something, a, a target to shoot for. And um, I don't know, if, if you don't have a destination already in mind, you may find yourself wandering around and realizing, boy, I, I don't like my location right now. Yeah, I, I had a meeting this past week uh, with a person who is 65 and resigned that they have to keep working 
because of a, a meaningful financial mistake that they made within the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And it changed the trajectory of their financial life. And as as we were going through that, when people make financial mistakes, there's a, a certain amount of energy that's created from that. And if you don't channel that energy in the right direction, mm-hmm. you you're you're likely either gonna you're gonna spiral, you're gonna yeah. spiral either up or down. And so most people are going to make at least one big financial mistake, uh, two, three, four, who knows. So I wouldn't get too hung up on the, hey, I'm in my 20s and I've already made some meaningful financial mistakes. That's not, I would not worry about that. I would worry about I'm in my 20s and what, because you asked the question, Mike, start sooner with what? Start sooner with seeking financial wisdom. What is financial wisdom? And then what are the skills that I need in order to apply this financial wisdom? Mm. So financial wisdom is a house is not an asset. Like if you because if you're in your 20s, what should you be doing? You should be talking. Talk to the people that seem like they have it going on. You're going to find out that some of the people that seem successful, they're um, they're all hat, no cattle. They're 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 <laughs> not all of that veneer, right? Um, but there are some people, and um, they actually do have it going on, and they can help you. The problem is they're gonna they make it look easy. So you look at them and you're like, well, they they seem to be doing okay financially, but they never even break a sweat. Like, how in the world is that possible? Well, they've got great disciplines in their financial life that put them in a position to be able to do this consistency mm-hmm. yeah consistently applying the right habits yep so read 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 like crazy read and listen read and listen read and listen um if, if you're in your 20s if you haven't already read um rich dad poor dad read that book yeah who, who do you let influence you that's interesting tim ferris says you are the average of your five closest friends that's interesting so who do you want to be your friend do you, you want um you know, Dave Ramsey as a friend. Do you want us as friends? Do you want um, some of the best thinkers on the planet or maybe to ever walk the planet as as friends? You can have that just by absorbing their content, reading, yeah. listening, right? And Absorbing and applying their content. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I mean, it's not enough to just fill your head. It's what is going to actually you know, fill your behaviors and your actions. Yeah, and I can, I'll, I'll if you want to get fired up, like the average of my five best friends, like who are the, these five best friends? You might be in your 20s looking around and saying, man, I'm hurting then. Uh, if it's if it's these five guys I've been hanging out with, well, guess what? You have a phone. It, with with your phone, you have access. Your, I'd say make, your, make, make Jesus your best friend. Start there. But, I mean, you can have Jordan Peterson as one of your best friends. You can have a, a number of the smartest guys in the world, Thomas Sowell. I mean, I, I, I look at Milton Friedman. I look at all these guys, and I'm like, these guys talk to me. I, I, I yeah. hear them. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would be more specific. I, I, I could agree 100%, guys, but I think more specifically, I think – people when they say i wish i'd gotten started sooner it's with saving and and i that's that's i said i was going to be specific and that i say that generally because it's <laughs> a lot of times it's investing and saving for the future but it's also 
saving that for that emergency fund, saving for delayed spending, those sorts of things. Because if you don't have that emergency fund or you haven't saved up for that upcoming known expense, then you're always going to feel like you're playing catch up and you're sort of cat and mouse. Um, and so I, I see that. I, that's what I hear when people say, I wish I'd started sooner. Saving. Mm-hmm. Saving for their present financial position and saving for their long-term goals because josh what's the formula for wealth i don't know mike tell me (laughs) cash (laughs) cash plus risk plus time time. right and if the the longer you wait the lower that time component's going to be and that's going to mean the risk potentially needs to go higher and the cash needs to go higher so leveraging the time portion of that mm-hmm. in your 20s or early on can help balance that wealth equation on your side. So getting started with financial planning, getting started with financial wisdom, having the right influence, all of that applies. Absolutely. But I, I, I would make it, if you'd allow me, go a little bit more specific and say, don't wait to start saving saving aggressively for retirement, for an emergency fund, for known upcoming expenses, that house you want, those sorts of things. And so, okay, now let's get more practical. In your 20s, what are the most important financial decisions you need to make? We've got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you're in your 20s, the most important financial advice you need to hear so that you can get started on the right track and make sure that you start early and don't have that regret that so many of us so many of us have. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Search uh, Wise Money Show on YouTube. Subscribe to it there. Turn on notifications so you're made aware aware every time we drop new content. All right. There's six areas to your financial life. It's no coincidence. There's six areas to Josh's financial life and Kevin's and Warren Buffett's and Bill Gates and whomever else, right? That's what it is. There's six areas that you need to take an integrated approach to in making financial decisions. That's where the financial wisdom comes from. First is your present financial position. That's cash flow. That's a net worth statement, balance sheet, those sorts of things. Next is protection planning. How do you manage risk specifically in the five main areas of risk management? Third is tax planning. What are your what are the opportunities for you to pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime? And which of those opportunities should you implement? Fourth is investment planning. How much risk should you take? What are your strategies? Fifth is retirement planning. It's also college planning. Really, it's your long-term goals. Where are you today? What are those long-term goals? How do you build a track to get from here to there? And then how do you monitor your progress? And then the sixth area is estate planning. What are your intentions? What are your goals? If something happens to you, who takes over? What do you want to happen? That's all spelled out in your estate plan. Now, each of those areas, we can say them as six separate areas, but they're all together. They're integrated. And you've got to make financial decisions that bring synergy to those. So we're going to run around that circle and talk about each of those areas in your 20s. So present financial position. Well, your present financial position, it, it lays the foundation for all the other areas. It, it talks about where are you today and uh, getting yourself into a strong, healthy position 
today starts building more options for you out in the future. So, you know, it's part of the reason why, boy, if you're getting started in life and for the first time you have a steady paycheck and you've got more income rolling in than you've ever, ever known before, um, what a fantastic time to start building the discipline and the habit of managing cash flow. And, you know, sometimes we call that budgeting or cash flow planning, but this is, this is really you setting up a system to direct your own behavior. And it's, it's not meant to be a straight jacket for you to put yourself in and to make life miserable. Um, this is not some kind of self-punishment or anything like that. No, this is actually freeing. And, and I really mean that. That's not some kind of crazy spin I'm trying to put on this. If you have pre-decided that there's a certain portion of your income that's going to go towards the things that are most important to you, then you don't have to feel guilty about spending that money. Even if that's on a vacation or, you know, some entertainment or, or, or something that others might look at and say, boy, that's frivolous. Well, no, you budgeted for that. You planned for that. And you, um, you, you intentionally devoted some of your resources to it. But my hope would be that you are also really clear on what your long-term goals are. And you're doing the exact same thing there, that you are devoting some of your resources to the most important long-term objectives that you're trying to, to achieve as well. And um, so, so directing cash flow is, is the name of the game. And we actually encourage people to utilize actually a bank account structure that supports all that. And we call it our three bank account system. You want to unpack some of that, Mike? If you're, well, I, I'll unpack it with a, a punch in the gut. If you're budgeting <laughs> without a three bank account system, you're doing it wrong. Because you, your budget would tell you you're successful if the amount of money you spend equals the amount of money you earn. Yay, I win. Hmm. That That's it, right? But what if the amount of money you're planning on spending out there in the future is you've got an expense coming up and it doesn't fit in your normal monthly budget. Well, you would realize if you're just looking at each month in isolation and you're not budgeting for known upcoming expenses as well, that budget will only you know, be successful maybe once, maybe not ever. And so you've got to have a three bank account system where your immediate spending, your checking account, that's based on a budget. And you've got to make sure that you've got the right number amount of margin in there, all that sort of stuff. But then, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the purpose of that checking account or that immediate spending account is to handle the things that are coming up every single month, right? like clockwork. And this is what a lot of people's minds go to when they, they think budget. Well, what are my utilities? What are my bills? All, all of this. But there, um, th- these, these types of expenses are not the ones that most people struggle with funding because they are predictable and they are regular. And so making sure you've got enough income landing in your checking account to handle the known expenses every month is great. But if you don't also build in the second component, which is your delayed spending, uh, account that that'd be a second function of your bank accounts. It's for the purpose of hitting things that are also known expenses. They just are more sporadic. Mm-hmm. They come around periodically. Maybe it's every few months or quarterly. Could be something that's even annually. There are even things in a delayed spending plan that maybe you spend money on every decade or so. Think car replacement, for example. That's something that you don't do every single month. You, you don't even do that every year. But you know at some point you're going to need to save up and purchase that, that next car. So the delayed spending account, you might think of it as a savings account. 
But it's not. This is money you are intending to spend just at a delayed point in time. And you want to make sure that when, when that day comes, when that expense lands on your doorstep, you're ready for it. You've got mm-hmm. the cash. And you can spend it with confidence and even a little bit of pride. Like, hey, I planned ahead for this thing. It didn't catch me by surprise. And uh, so, so that delayed spending account is often the linchpin in many people's financial lives. And I would always think with my spending, this is this is great. The delayed, there's so much power in the delayed spending because if you say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to want a new car every five years," sweet, make that car payment to yourself. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what happens with people that have. Uh, I I have some clients right now. They've done the delayed spending. They've got fifty thousand dollars in cash, and they're saying, "We don't like what we can get for fifty thousand um, dollars," but we're not going to go and spend seventy five grand. You know how easy it would be. If you had almost nothing and you walked into the dealership to walk out with a $75,000 car, so much easier when you have no money. And this is, this is the, mm-hmm. the, the paradox. It, doesn't, it does not make any sense. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so you're telling me if I have money, I don't want to spend it. But if I don't have money, I want to spend it. Exactly. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't make any sense. So you, you fund these things because you say, hey, I want to do a travel uh, thing. I, I, well, Fund it. If your if your if your travel budget is six thousand dollars for to go to the Sandals Resort in Jamaica once a year, put five hundred bucks a month in your travel account, and then fund it. Yeah. You be the funding mechanism. Because mm-hmm. if you can live on less, it's kind of like you know I I grew up um, and and got uh, probably until I was almost thirty, I survived on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and what I would. I would inevitably do the the best part is the middle with no crust, yeah. right? And so I would eat all the way around the crust, and then the last two bites, no crust, and it is perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, well, do that with your finances. Like, be extra careful. Spend intentionally. Spend less than you have, considerably less than you have, and then at the end, if there's a couple extra bites, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And the third bank account's that emergency fund. Think think about this. So your your immediate spending, you're driving your car, that's the road right in front of you. You can see it. Okay, your delayed spending as you're looking down the road, you can see seven miles out. So you can see what's upcoming ahead. But what about the deer? I passed a deer yesterday. It, had, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Uh, what about what you can't see that's going to blindside you, something like that? That's your emergency fund. And then your long-term savings, that's for the stuff more than seven miles out. You can't see. The, the analogy fits perfect. The, the point is you've got to apply that and start that discipline specifically in your 20s so you don't have that painful regret of, gosh, I wish I would have started sooner. What about protection planning, tax planning, investment planning? We're going to hit all of that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are the most important decisions, financial decisions, that you need to take advantage of in your 20s, whether you're right now in your 20s or whether you're out there in your 50s, 60s, and you're thinking of your kids and grandkids? That's what we're talking about right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Wrapping up our series today on the most important, the best financial advice by decade, okay? And we started at the older generation, started in your 60s, or excuse me, in your 70s, 
And then we've worked our way, so last show in the series, on your 20s. And the reason why we wanted to end here is so often the most common phrase from new folks coming into the KFG offices is, I wish I'd have started sooner. Okay, so this is sort of the, the, uh, the cherry on top. Whether you're in your 20s, great, listen to this advice or, or give it to your grandkids or whatever. Um, but even if you're not, this is the soonest opportunity you have to influence right now. And now, right now, and right now, right? This, this is it. So it's not too late to start that upward spiral, spiral that Josh and Kevin have talked about in your financial life. Protection planning. Some most important advice you need to hear in your 20s about protection planning. Well, I, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's it's probably the hardest for people in their 20s to hear because I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking back to when I was in my 20s and, and the um, interactions I get to have with people who are currently in their 20s, and you feel invincible, don't you? Surely. Uh, you're, you're probably in great health. The statistical odds of you having some major health event maybe feels so remote and and so low that people in their 20s are the most likely to try to operate without having health insurance in place. And mm. um, I, I feel like that's a mistake. Huge mistake. You know, th- there are ways to structure your health insurance to make it as cost effective as possible using high deductible plans and even taking advantage of health savings accounts and things like that. But to, to operate without any at all, um, it, it could be... It could be the mistake or the financial catastrophe that you don't bounce back from. And, I mean, what do they what do they say? It's a health emergency that's often cited as the number one cause for bankruptcy, for mm-hmm. example. Not that you can't bounce back from a bankruptcy, but the, the point is you don't know how your own health is going to develop. And even though you feel young and invincible, it's important to just maintain this level of protection and uh, don't don't operate without it. I mean, we're talking about risk management, and and really all of life is risk management. As you go into your twenties, you will become better at assessing risk. But I would also think, if I'm talking to someone in their twenties, think about how much of your life you want to spend backfilling a hole that you dug for yourself in your twenties. Uh, and most morning. most people are thinking, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna be working, I want to be making forward progress, not 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 taking care of mistakes that i i made earlier in my life and you're going to make mistakes so don't don't get too hung up on making a mistake but that the health insurance one especially with uh obamacare or the marketplace whatever you want to call it that that health insurance is available you can stay on your parents plan until you're 26 that may or may not make sense if you graduated at, from college at 22 and you're making some pretty decent money it might make sense to hop on your employer's plan and hop off your your parents um, and it it also might make sense to just hop off your parents plan and hop onto the marketplace plan. Mm-hmm. So so I would I would for sure look at that. So health insurance is really important. Um, and the next thing that I would look at is life insurance. I would buy a ton of life insurance. And you say, well, would I really buy it before I'm married and have kids and have education goals that I need to pre-fund and retirement? The, the case that you'd make for doing that is you, in, in essence, you insure your insurability. Yeah, right. 
And so, um, meaning you're young and healthy, it's yeah, likely you, the cheapest you're going to get. You're young and healthy, and it's inexpensive. Yeah, life insurance companies look at your health at the time that you are applying for the coverage. If your health changes after you already have it in place, it's okay. You've got the life insurance there, and and it may be the last policy you can even purchase. And don't think at that time. This would be logical, but but uh, fool's logic. Oh, well, I'm going to need different insurance when I get married, so I'll just buy this 10-year policy. No, lock in that that young, healthy rate for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Lock that in for 30 years, and then, yes, as life evolves, you'll add another policy on top of that one, but you'll keep that one because the rates are so good. Uh, I also think we're talking about, you know, don't go um, commando without health insurance. <laughs> I think that's, that's the right phrasing, uh, without health insurance. Same thing would be with your home and auto insurance. Don't go state minimums. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about what's at stake here. You're finally starting your career. And yes, we're all going to make financial mistakes. I would would not make the financial mistake of going commando with your auto insurance or home and auto insurance. Both of these, health insurance and your home auto insurance... You think about it for most of your, well, your whole life and into your 20s, um, it's all been managed for you. Your parents have covered it for you or they've they've done the interacting with the agent and stuff. And it's important as soon as you are establishing yourself as an adult to begin those relationships yourself. You have contact directly with an agent that you can trust and begin building a, a relationship. Hopefully you have a certified financial planner early on in your career and they are weighing in on, on the types of coverage that you're, you're having in place. But it's important to begin educating yourself because you're taking over the reins. You know, you, you now have your hands on the steering wheel and it's important for for you to educate yourself and be ready to make those decisions. And I would, as you're, as you're developing your philosophy of money, when you, a lot of times when you think about insurance or insurance premium, you, it feels, if, if money to you is math and it's a win-loss program, an insurance premium is likely going to feel like a loss to you. And I remember early um, in, in my career, I, I think this is the greatest career in the history of careers to be a financial planner because of all the things you get to learn and know. But I saw the financial impact of events that happened on people's financial lives. And it's not just their financial lives, but their, the other parts of their life. So I always carried a ton of life insurance, a ton of disability insurance. If I could buy it, I, I would. And I I remember telling my wife, because she's like, why do we have all of this insurance? Why do we have an umbrella policy? And I said, well, because as far as I've got it calculated with our financial plan, I'm going to have to work three years longer in my career because of all the the money that we're going to spend on insurance over my career. But the good news is, is if, if, if for some reason, before I finish my career, I'm stopped out, you're protected. Yeah. And I, I remember when we lived on Lawrence Street and, and my 75-year-old neighbor, June, said, why are you letting those kids climb in your tree? You, should, uh, you shouldn't let them climb in your tree. If they fall out of the tree and, and break their neck. And uh, my wife was saying, well, what, what should we tell June? I'm like, honey, that's why we have an umbrella policy, mm-hmm. right? I, like we, we're going to be at work. They're going to be climbing in the tree. We, we cannot be here at all times. To that's, guard your tree. Yeah, yeah. That's why we write a check. Either we're going to be on risk for that or we're going to write a check to the insurance company and they will be on risk for that. I really want to hurt your feelings here. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a conversation with a client where he was calculating how much he spent each year on insurance. And 
He said, basically, I work the first four months of the year to pay for all the insurances. The re- the other eight months is really for taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't tell this. This, sh- this show is for people in their twenties. Okay, sorry. <laughs> don't scare them away. <laughs> so uh, that's that's interesting though. But it is important that you you've got the right risk management so that you have the peace of mind to go swiftly after those financial goals that you're trying to pursue and the lifestyle and all of that you're, that you're trying to balance in. So. Uh, All right. What about tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning? We're going to hit all of that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Uh, Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. As you're tooling around this summer, throw the headphones in and turn on the podcast and Get some financial wisdom. Search The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to it. And then when you're there, do me a favor and rate the show. Even leave comments as well. Take that feedback serious. It also helps other folks that are out there looking for content about financial wisdom. Helps them find us. We appreciate that. All right. We've got to kind of get quickly around the circle here. The six areas of your financial life. What's the best investment advice you need to hear and apply when you're in your 20s, tax planning. We talked on last week's show about when you're in your 30s, you've got to make a decision about pre-tax or Roth as you're making your retirement uh, savings, your tax shelter savings. And advantage when you're young, advantage when you think you could earn more in the future, and advantage when the market's low. And gosh, in your 20s, it's very possible in your 20s you've, you know, got some unique talent and have significant income and all that. But odds are you're going to be able to earn more in the future. And I, I, I mean, so, okay, so how about this? When you're getting started at your employer, there's a decent chance they're going to want to auto-enroll you in that tax shelter retirement plan. And they're going to auto-enroll you in pre-tax, mm-hmm. and they're likely going to auto-enroll you at 5% contribution. Mm-hmm contributions and auto enroll you in either going into a target date fund or into cash. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't let any of those things happen. Right. The spirit behind it is right. You know, getting people started early is important. Encouraging them to to be in the habit of contributing right out of the gate. It's important. Choosing an investment that takes time into consideration, that's important. But it doesn't mean that it's optimal. Right. It doesn't mean that five percent is enough. I, I love the fact that they do auto enrollment. In fact, that would be the challenge that I would give. In fact, I do give. So from time to time, our clients ask us, "Hey, will you spend a little bit of time with my son or daughter who's you know graduating from college or from high school or something?" And and what would you what would you say to them? One of my challenges is always when you start working full time and you're given the opportunity, even if even if you don't have a retirement plan at work, get one started yourself but never miss a paycheck. What if you went your entire career and you contributed a little bit out of every single paycheck from start to finish? The life that you are setting up for yourself is is different. It's different than your peers and it's because you're taking advantage of time. But But to your point, your tax planning decisions to get started early, um, is it's great contributing to the retirement plan, but which plan do you choose? It probably ought to be the Roth IRA when you're getting getting started, because you want all that powerful growth that's going to happen over decades 
to have no tax IOU to the government attached to it. Yeah. If you if you are in your 20s and you think, I don't need a comprehensive financial plan right now. I don't need a CFP. I We would argue with you. But at the very least, buy an hour of someone's time and make sure you get started on the right track. Because just that simple, uh, okay, should I start pre-tax or Roth? Thousands. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of dollars of tax of taxes are at stake mm-hmm. with For that sure. decision alone. Yep. So making a wide so basically building that tax shelter strategy, Kevin, as you've called it, uh, I was gonna say so eloquently said in the past, but it just doesn't roll off the tongue. Your tax shelter strategy, setting that in your twenties so that you're on the right path. At the beginning, oh, so crucial. But I think that it's in, especially in your twenties, it's making those decisions. So, so Josh uh, threw down the gauntlet there. Hey, don't ever work for an employer where you're not putting money into the retirement plan. I always looked and said, hey, what are the retirement plan contribution limits? I, I, and and my goal was just to always max whatever I could do. So when I started my career, I could put two thousand dollars in an IRA. So I put $2,000 in IRA, Lori put $2,000 in her IRA. And we just always did that. There are a number of decisions like that, like I will never pay interest on my credit card. Make that decision. I'm not going to pay interest to buy a vehicle. Make that decision. And just make some of these decisions that once you make those decisions and you have those guardrails, now your decisions actually become a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. You're setting up your own rule book for life, right? Right. What constitution am I going to live by? Exactly. And the people who get better results, they set up a better rule book for themselves and they they actually hold themselves to it. It becomes habit over time. And I I love what you've said in in past segments that the the people that are most uh, successful, they make it look easy. Yes. But it's because it has become automatic for them over time. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do. Choose what are the behaviors and the actions that I would want to be repeating over and over and get going on them. Set up the game. Rig it for your, your own success in that way. Uh, when it comes to investment planning, how tragic when someone in their 30s or 40s comes and starts a relationship with their certified financial planner and they say, Kevin, you've shared several stories like this. I, my 401k, you know, they yeah. bleep, um, isn't good, isn't yeah. good, okay? It's just not performing well. And you take a look under the hood and, oh, well, you've been investing in cash the whole time. You've been mm-hmm. sitting in cash the whole time. You've been sitting in whatever was the investment du jour when you set it up mm-hmm. to begin with. So from an investment planning standpoint, doesn't need to be overly complicated. And as Josh said last week, doesn't need to be overly creative either. Be, be careful with that. But set, make sure that you are starting to invest in the right strategies at the right risk level and build that habit in your 20s. What, what else would you share on that, guys? I, I don't know that I would add a whole lot to it uh, other than it's it's not just – um, getting started on contributing, it's also getting started on learning, and don't don't be too passive of an investor where you're just delegating that to someone else and you're never growing in your own knowledge and your own philosophy, understanding how these investments behave. What are the true risks involved? Yes, it may have certain growth potential, but what are the downward swings that you're going to experience over time? And how do you make sure that you don't make mistakes during those times, like? becoming a seller when you should be a heavier buyer. 
I, yeah, I did a wise money video recently about the greatest threats and temptations that people face in down markets. Mm. And the very first one is you're prone to be sold something. Hmm. You feel like you've lost control of your investments. And if you can give me something that has a defined outcome, oh my goodness, I'll take it. I'll salivate over it. That's fine. Just give me that. So then I know what my outcome is because right now I have no idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's just, that is a, 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 a awful decision. And it's a many times a permanent decision. And so making sure that even in your 20s, you either like this stuff and you're a student of history or you, again, spend some time by an hour or something with a certified financial planner where they can talk through historical perspective of investing and the markets and therefore a prudent strategy that you should take. Love it. The, the folks that you talk about constitution, you know, the ones like the folks where they say, yeah, you know, my uncle always told me, my dad always told me my stay the course, right? You know mm -hmm. what, you know, what's going to follow. You know what they always say, they always said, stay the course worked out for them. I'm going to stay the course, right? It get, just the imagine, imagine because last October, and we can't show this on the air right now. It'd be way too geeky. Um, but Last October, that's where the P.E. ratios and these things were threatening that, OK, this is getting kind of hot. It's like if you if you extrapolate this over or compare it to history, geez, the next five years, we really shouldn't be surprised if the market's at the exact same level it is right now. But still, gosh, October, everyone wanted to buy more. Mm -hmm. They wanted to get really speculative. And now when you don't want to, you actually look at that same chart and you say, well, geez, yeah. Based on history, next five years, we should expect maybe 10, 12% rate of return right now. But no one wants to invest. You want to get out. So right. just, just be a student of history. Have the right investment strategy. So um, retirement planning. I had one of our new all-stars here on the team, Ben Bullgreen, was doing some research. He's a student in human behavior. Hmm. And uh, fascinating because the behavioral side of finance is just so, it, and it's so applicable. It's very interesting. But he talked about how the 65-year-old you is a stranger to the 20-year-old you. Mm -hmm. Unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. You can't relate. You can't mm -hmm. even, so you can't empathize. You can't plan ahead. That's a, that's, you, you, that's a stranger. What? I'm not even thinking about that. So what can you do? What conversations can you have? What what uh, what can you put in place so that that sixty five year old you isn't a stranger, they're a friend. Hmm. I, I love that analogy. It, it makes me think. I, one of the things I love about my wife is that um, she really values time with her grandparents, hmm. and she's lost all of them now except for one. But uh, how many of us? take advantage of the, the time that we get with older generations and we actually just sit at their feet and listen to stories and be reminded of what life used to be. And, and um, my wife actually has all of her grandma's diaries and mm. she's reading through them and she's, she's just understanding, wow, they, they struggled at earlier years just like we did and uh, they went through similar life cycles and things. But when you can see further down the road and someone can tell you what life looks like down the road, you will make different choices today oh, yes. because you recognize, well, I'm going to be there someday and I want the same opportunities or maybe better opportunities than what I'm seeing from 
earlier generations and things. So I, I don't know. I, taking what you just said, Mike, um, I, I feel like spending time educating yourself on the future, what your future might be, maybe all the motivation that you need to get started early. Yeah. Yeah. And and listen, you might have three distinctly separate and different careers. You might work until you're 85 and die at 120. Mm-hmm. If uh, one of my favorite financial advisors is correct, um, that's what's going to happen because science and technology is going to keep you alive. So if it's going to keep you alive, uh, you, you want to have quality of life in, in the meantime. And so this is where you want to start building that foundation that you can um, build a house upon. Yeah. It, in in your 20s, it's not too early for a, a full estate plan. Just know as you get it built, you're likely going to make some changes. What's probably more applicable in your 20s from an estate planning standpoint is in your 20s, you're probably going to change your beneficiaries three times. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to start, you're going to set it out with probably your parents or your sibling, and then you'll change it to your spouse, and then you'll probably change it to add kids as a contingent beneficiary. All of that's going to happen in in that decade. Right. And and remember, don't add the kids. Add your testamentary trust. Add your testamentary yeah. trust. That's so, in your will. So you've got big estate planning decisions even in your 20s when life is still taking shape and maybe you don't even have the, fi- the, the foundation defined yet. So, all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great week and we'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. No longer will it be said, where's that snake? Yeah. I probably wouldn't use that one on the air. <laughs> I wouldn't. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.